And welcome back to another special edition of our VESC, Voices from NCU Students and Alumni, Driving Research and Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Barnhart, uh, adjunct professor in the School of Education and definitely an admitted higher education nerd. With us today, we have our guest, Dr. Pascal Coyes, NCU Class of 2021. She is the academic specialist for the Middle East School at the Defense Language Institute located on the Presidio of Monterey, California. Dr. Coyes, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Dr. Barnhart, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. We, we uh, really appreciate you taking time. I know we were talking offline. Uh, you, you know, you're out of your very busy schedule uh, to join us today. We really do appreciate that. And we, we'll be very cognizant of that time uh, and get right down to business. So we always like to find out from our guests kind of, you know, a little bit about, about you, how you got to NCU, your program of study, uh, and what you're doing now in your current role. Okay, great. So again, my name is Pascal Coelles. I recently finished my defense at NCU and I'm super ready for my graduation in September. Um, I finished my doctorate in education, in general education, and I've been working at the Defense Language Institute since, um, I want to say, 16 years in beautiful California. And um, how I got into NCU, it was just that the program was really a good fit. And I was very happy and with the helpful advisory entry team. They were very cheerful, helpful, and flexible. And I was also happy to know that um, my homework were due, all the assignments were due on a Sunday. So technically, I had the weekend also to work on them. And I could start any Monday that I wanted. So it was really a good fit in my situation. Uh, basically because I work full-time and I have a career and I did not want to travel for school on the weekends. That's how I joined NCU. And it has been a really pleasant experience. That's great. And it's, it's great to, to hear that experience, especially coming from another you know, individual working in higher education that probably has to navigate a lot of the same kind of virtual education aspects that NCU students does uh, with your own students. And that's kind of, I, I think, you know, why we really like this podcast and talking to our alumni. Um, it's because, you know, they've had to wear both hats a lot of times. So let's talk about that in your case a little bit. Um, you know, in terms of the, the podcast, how, how is your research uh, in your dissertation important towards the field of virtual education? So my dissertation was on teacher self-efficacy and its impact on their retention and burnout. The topic is important for both virtual and face-to-face education. Without high teacher self-efficacy, teachers apparently tend to leave their jobs within the first five years. So it has been a challenge, not just nationwide, in overseas too. Um, it's essential to have self-efficacy in order to be an effective teacher in charge of your classroom, students, materials, performance, and even teaching methodologies. So the field is kind of rich with literature on the topic, and mainly by the famous psychologist, Dr. Bandura. I'm sure you're familiar with him. Um, When it comes specifically to virtual education, I believe that burnout tends to occur more often virtually, as people might feel isolated or not not really connected to a team or community. But while my research took place during the pandemic, and we had met virtually on MS Teams for all the interviews, I think in the future I'll be looking at more data pertaining only to virtual education. It was not the case in this study. But I believe my research is important to improve teachers' performance and retain them. Therefore, it's important to both virtual education as well as in-person education. Oh, absolutely. I I think that, um, you know, when we when we think about it from, uh, you know, this aspect of self-efficacy, absolutely. It's been ever more needed in the online environment. You know, uh, I think we talk about 
folks being self-starting and self-motivated and and that's applicable not only for the learner but for the teacher as well so absolutely i think you know this research of yours is such so important to the new state of online learning um you know post-pandemic i think um also so so let's talk about that uh in terms of using it in, in impact um how do you see you know this research uh, impacting virtual education, whether that's, um, you know, teaching, learning, supporting learners, uh, maybe even within your role at DLI. Yeah, exactly. So um, I'm in the process just now in at DLI of uh, having needs assessment in our schoolhouse and seeing the kind of training teachers need to build their confidence in their ability to teach and improve their performance, whether like live, face-to-face or virtual. There are some language-specific training mentioned in my dissertations that were really needed, but also some military, cultural, and administrative side to the coin. Once we have reliable data, I want to say, and like from the findings, we can prioritize the way to move forward. But um, impacting the teachers and students' learning face-to-face will also apply to the virtual education for sure, and self-efficacy is definitely vital to the whole process. Excellent. Um, how about recommendations for, you know, we have a lot of different listeners to our podcast, uh, current students, alumni, faculty, staff members at NCU. Um, what recommendations might you have for them um, who are interested in learning more about your specific area of research? Well, my recommendations to the listeners interested in self-efficacy specifically and its impact on burnout, of course, and teacher retention are to also approach this topic from the supervisor's perspectives and see if the administration or the first-line supervisors have suggestions related to enhancing teachers' self-efficacy. I would also put more emphasis on feedback and evaluations that teachers receive, as they seem to have affected a majority of the the participants in my case. So teachers are probably finding, finding ways to deliver feedback and giving the teachers their yearly appraisal or evaluation is fundamental. Training the supervisors may help Training the supervisors on doing so, or also in addition, of course, to feeling valued, respected, and needed um, recommendations. Another one would be maybe look also at the student's self-efficacy instead of just teacher's self-efficacy and its impact on their performance and motivation. Like in our case, we didn't have issues with students' self-efficacy mainly because our students are kind of discipline. They're all in the military. We didn't have like behavior issues. Um, while I have focused on teacher self-efficacy, I believe Bandura's social cognitive theory in general and the construct of self-efficacy that I based my research on specifically are very interesting when it comes to examining the psychology of the individuals and building on their resiliency and confidence. These are my two approaches that I think will really enrich the field when you consider the supervisory perspective and also the student's self-efficacy. That's great. And those are great, uh, you know, outcomes in terms of the significance of your study. You know, we always talk about with students that we chair uh, or going through the dissertation process in that part, we want to talk about not just the research, you know, uh, significance, but also the practical, practical significance there. So, so what what kind of practical applications maybe that came out of your study um, that that can add value to virtual and in person learning, especially as it relates to um, burnout? You know, I think that's something that maybe um, a lot of us are facing now. You know, fifteen months into virtual learning full time. So, how does how how does like maybe some of the practical applications of your research come out there? 
Well, if I don't want to be talking about self-efficacy only in this podcast, I would think that, like, for example, in our case, um, like virtual teaching took us uh, by, like, we were not expecting to have a pandemic or even teach virtually. This was just happening and we had to adjust accordingly. Then we realized with time that students were having screen fatigue, teachers were having screen fatigue. If you have um, a lot of cognitive load, you cannot really focus too much. So in our organization, um, it just like virtual learning caught us by surprise. And uh, one essential practice I use and trained other teachers to uh, and supervisors around me to use is sharing expertise. Um, when you share your stories, when you have like best practices and you have panels or you channel them through training events, this way we do know we don't have to reinvent the wheel. So whatever works for your students may work for my students. If I share like a success story, some others will be able to take it. And this is where we had focused on mitigating screen fatigue and lowering the cognitive load in the virtual teaching. So um, as you know, like students or learners may have many distractions and lowering this cognitive load may help them focus more on the essential message or the lesson instead of the images, the colors and distractions around them. Like, and you can think of yourself being in Times Square in New York with all the distractions happening. You can't really focus. So we try as much as possible to limit the cognitive load and allow the student's memory to capture also as much as possible and move it to the long-term memory. So in our case, for example, cognitive load impacts the efficacy of learning a second language. And the human cognitive capacity is so limited and can hinder learning if overloaded. And that's why learning requires the smart usage of the two sorts of memories that we have, the working memory and the long-term memory. I don't want to be elaborating too much on it, but like probably you already know that there are three types of cognitive loads that are additive, like the intrinsic part and the extraneous part and the germane part. When information is presented in a way that reduces extraneous cognitive load and ex- increases the germane cognitive load, It helps the learner transfer all the information from your working memory to the long-term memory. This is exactly why like reducing cognitive load will help in a practical way in our school, because like students will have will focus on the vocab, vocab retention, capturing them, and not be having all these distractions around them. That also helps with their self-efficacy in general. Do you think that uh, practice of cognitive load management then um, benefits? you know, outside of maybe students that are, you know, uh, more disciplined in military, like at the DL, at DLI. But is that something that maybe can benefit other teachers, students, and other classroom settings elsewhere? Yes. Like for us, it was not an issue when we were um, like dealing with face-to-face teaching, but we realized that this is an issue, even with disciplined students and like outside, when, whenever you have kids at home learning virtually, they are totally distracted. And knowing how the brain functions, you would know that you cannot move things from your uh, working memory from your uh, working memory to the long term memory unless there they are things that are repeated and you are focused on them and it's not just like random things happening at the same time. You would the first thing you would see is the image. You fir- the first thing you would uh, see is like the colors and you'll be so distracted that you can't really function on. Uh, vocab retention or whatever you are learning as a subject. So that's why we realized that it is very important to study the brain process in order for you to help them 
transfer all the knowledge to the long-term memory and process them. Excellent. Um, so in, in that respect, like, like thinking in this practical line, um, what maybe recommendations or takeaways um, would you have for listeners who want to implement or learn more about you know, cognitive load management and, and uh, mitigating burnout and some of the other major themes that came from your research? My recommendation in general for anybody listening to this is to keep an open mind and then think outside the box. All the solutions we came up with were not things that we had offered to us before. So, for example, uh, when we had a lot of students having or facing burnout, we came up with a scavenger hunt. Like you're really going for a scavenger hunt and you are on your phone uh, via Teams. We use MS Teams here, socially distant from the rest of the class, yet you had to report to your classroom on your phone and then take a selfie and share after a while when you get all the clues and go to all the directions and follow all the directions and instructions given to you and all in the target language. So my recommendation is really totally to keep an open mind and then cooperate with the rest of the team and because education doesn't happen in a vacuum, we all need to constantly work together on building this community and making sure that everybody is on the same page. Excellent takeaways. And thank you so much uh, for sharing these very insightful you know, findings and, and not just the research implications, but the practical implications of your research here, Dr. Koyas. Um, we're at the point, uh, my favorite point of the podcast, uh, it's kind of like our, uh, my favorite question. And we ask everyone this one. So, you know, knowing, um, uh, you know, that you're 15 months into, um, you know, virtual education kind of uh, redefined, is there one hack, you know, we're all about life hacks and making things easier here, but is there one hack that you uh, or maybe someone, a colleague that you know has used or is using that has made the virtual education experience a lot easier or more manageable for you or your students? Interesting. When you say like a hack, I can't think of a real hack other than having comfy shoes in a virtual environment. But um, <laughs> one educational hack that I have used at, as an MCU student is using my mobile phone um, hotspot to connect my laptop in the nature outdoors and work on assignments and homework. It's important to create early on in the program a sense of routine it becomes easier to follow up on it and hold yourself accountable. So life happens and we need to have people around us who are willing to be part of this journey and continue motivating us while constantly reminding us of our duties and accountability in a sense. Um, another thing or hack uh, that totally worked for me is working out and, the reward and rewarding myself after like homework submission. I personally never submitted my homework before Sunday, 10 p.m. my time. And uh, before every task or assignment, I played tennis in the morning or went for a 30-minute run on the beach. This way, I knew my serotonin level was high and that I was more motivated in a happy mood. So I was able to work on my homework. Um, so the reward system and ice cream was also like like kids, something that was motivating me. So it's always small pleasures. Keep it fun. Stay positive. Remember that you can do this. Enjoy the process and focus on the end goal. At the end, the tassel was worth the hassle. I like that. We need to print that on a shirt and or a coffee mug. I'll do it. And, uh, send send a <laughs> I, I dig it. I, I I really I really like that that advice. And thank you for sharing that. And I I, I can't agree more 
the time management aspect of the, the dissertation process. Um, it can seem sometimes insurmountable, but definitely I think it, as you, like you said, that routine, that is all very helpful in helping to accomplish that goal. So thank you very much for uh, uh, sharing that part. Um, and then lastly, before we leave, you know, we always like uh, our, our, our guests uh, and our listeners like to connect a lot. You know, maybe it's uh, to look at your research or see what you're doing or just to add to their professional network. So how can our NCU community members connect and, and connect with you and find more about the work that you're doing? Well, I, I don't know in what aspect, but I can give you my email or like my, my number. Oh, yeah. Email will be fine. Or if like you're on LinkedIn, um, if folks can of connect course, with you there. Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn or even Facebook. And yeah, of course. And I'm ready to help anybody in the process. And if I can mention one thing, honestly, that had helped me, um, like other than being grateful to the NCU system in general, and I have seen a lot of other students in other universities working on their doctorate degree and some colleagues even here with me at work um, like NCU have given so much when it comes to the academic center uh, and the dissertation center the proofreading service I really have to say that this had boosted my dissertation and it has been like available and amazing but one thing that I would suggest some people uh, use is the dissertation book that I had discovered in chapter four. In my case, my chair was Dr. Linda Bloomberg, and she's the author of a book that I never knew existed until later. It's called, um, I think, Completing Your Qualitative Research, A Roadmap from Beginning to End. I cannot emphasize enough how valuable this has been to my dissertation process. I had so many questions that course content did not really provide answers to. Like, what do I do now? I had collected all the data. I was losing sleep. I was so excited. I had transcribed all the interviews and categorized them, but I didn't know how to move after the stage. Like, nobody would teach you in a class how to analyze them, what would come out out of it. So for me personally, this book was like a mini miracle. I got it from like Amazon and spent time navigating its chapter chapters highlighting them and marking some answers so that was just like something i wanted to mention it has been very helpful in my case other than that like i'm i'm hoping or willing to help other students if they have questions and uh, also how to navigate the ncu website because there are so many like hidden germs over there where you're like oh nobody told me about this how come they have the proofreading part how come you can literally schedule one appointment one-on-one and get help with your tables these are simple things but they meant a lot all great things to share there practical applications and great information that current students, um, you know, whether they're in the dissertation process or getting ready for that process can definitely take to heart. So again, um, Dr. Koyes, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Um, We've really, uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. The pleasure is mine, Brian. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And again, for Dr. Koyes, I'm Dr. Barnhart. Thanks for tuning in to VESC, Voices from Students and Alumni, Driving Research and Practice. We'll catch you next time.